Hi guys, I'm Rachel and I'm Jess and this is Mothering On My Own podcast. Each episode will dive into stories of resilience, triumph and personal growth shared by women who are mothering on their own. This podcast serves as a reminder that you are not truly alone and there's a community of women who are navigating the highs and lows of this extraordinary journey. Join us as we unpack the many ways of mothering on my own. Hello, everybody. My goodness, what is this third episode now, which seems pretty wild? It feels like 23rd, to be honest. I, know. Have been. I just think because we're still figuring out our systems and how everything works, our schedules are so busy yeah. that I feel like we've probably been working on this a lot more, you know, behind the scenes. So to it's great, third episode, but I also feel like we should have, you know, we done a million so by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. I was just telling you earlier, we're obviously chatting a lot now during the day and I think we just spoke about three times in a row and Lenny was like, who was that? And I was like, it was Jess. And he's like, again? Like, what's going on? Um, so we have our first guest today, which is super exciting. We can touch on at the end. We do have a number of other guests coming up that's really exciting. But today's our first one, Abby Gilmore. She's got three beautiful children and... Yeah, we're just really looking forward to, you know, obviously we've talked about ourselves so far. I'm just really keen to start, yeah, understanding other people's stories that, you know, have different experiences. Absolutely. I think that I say absolutely so much. I'm trying to stop that, guys. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) I think probably what the best thing about this podcast is going to be is that we are getting so many different ways that solo single now repartnered families are doing it so Abby has a beautiful new partner now they've been together she she'll obviously go into her story a lot more they've been together I think six years and just kind of yeah learning about her journey and how she's done it so we are super excited to bring on the first guest and then so many more to come but how has your week been Rach this week we are recording this three days after, sorry, two days after Father's Day, but you guys will hear it a week on. And we did put some stuff up on our Instagram just about Father's Day. It can bring up a lot of funny emotions and, you know, good and bad, but definitely I thought something worth chatting about. So how did you feel on Sunday? I have to admit holiday periods are generally pretty challenging for me. You know, you and I have spoken about Easter and Christmas and, you know, all of those really big family milestones. I think Mother's Day normally is a bit heavier for me just because obviously there's no one there to celebrate me. And (laughs) when you've been slogging it out, it's sad to not get that recognition. So I didn't go into Father's Day thinking it was going to be a thing, but I guess as it naturally happens, you wake up on that morning, you open social media and people are sharing beautiful things about their partners And yeah, of course, it triggered something in me that just felt sad. Like I just longed to have that. I'd love to have someone to celebrate that day and and make that a family thing. And then for me, it's also, you know, for the morning, I was like, I'm just going to avoid my morning coffee just because I don't want to walk in there and see all the families out for brunch. And I think it was really lucky. It was such a sunny day. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, whatever. I messaged a friend, met her for coffee, and I ended up making it a good day. But I have to admit those first few hours where I was sort of getting hit with all of the, you know, the online stuff, it, yeah, started off a bit bit sad. Definitely. I know what you mean with with social media. And obviously, depending on whatever circumstance someone has, something is going to trigger, whether it's not Father's Day, you know, all sorts of things will trigger people in that way through social media. Is that something where you make a conscious effort to then switch off of social media? Because yeah. we, we are, it's so nice to see beautiful celebrations from families. And it's, yeah. we're not saying that, you know, we don't want to see that and you sh- no one should be sharing that. It's obviously something that is trigger- triggering just, yeah, within yourself, like you said. And yeah, do you make an effort to switch off? Yeah. And I think you kind of have to, Hey, like if something is literally going to bring you down to that point where like, I was almost just going to stay in bed and just mooch all day. Like that's not going to be good for anyone. And I think, you know, I ended up having such a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. And I think it's because I was out and about and I was doing stuff. And like you said, like, my goodness, I'm so happy when I see happy relationships and men that show up for their partners. Like, I think that is the absolute tips. Like it's the best. (laughs) Um, and my, like all of my friends, I, I'm really grateful to be surrounded by great partnerships and seeing 
amazing role models in that space. I love it more than anything. But yeah, like you said, it's not that we don't want to see it. It's just that on a particular day like that, we're longing for that or we Mm -hmm. are missing that. And it's just something that you got to find a way to, you know, navigate it. So yeah, of course, of course. And it's funny because I probably am not as triggered with Father's Day. I want to say triggered, you know, but it is definitely a funny feeling. And I think, and we have spoken about this, Rach, that even weekends feel that way. Weekdays are super busy and we know that everyone's kind of at work and not really doing much. And then the weekends come and you do, and even I feel this now, my life is so full. The work that I do is very social. Yeah. Um, I always joke that I'm, I'm the most anti-social social person because I do a lot of, you know, obviously work with social media and I'm out and about, but weekends come and my brother is works on the weekends and he's always out. And then I kind of wake up on a Saturday and I'm like, all right, Seb. Now and, you know, and I, I catch up with my friends a lot and do a lot of that, but sometimes when you just want to get it, get out the house and get a coffee and whatnot, like it is often just you two and yeah, weekends can kind of bring up that emotion a little bit more. And obviously my partner's in state, so, you know, we can't be doing those weekend things together. Yeah. It's nice when we are together and have that chance. But, yeah, yeah, I think kind of the weekends in general, but obviously Father's Day, like you said, when it is everywhere, it does yeah. make you, you just think a little bit more, I think. so. And it's really funny. I've had people sometimes, if I've ever talked about sort of the loneliness and isolation that comes, they'll be like, oh, but I love my alone time. And I'm like, Yeah, so do I. But when it's 24-7 or when it's almost all the time, I also used to be a very independent and I still am. You know, I do a lot love my alone time, but it's very different when it's 24-7 and at the same time you're actually not just doing stuff for yourself all the time. You're actually parenting. It's not like I'm sitting there going for a walk for myself, going to do a meditation by myself and doing all these wonderful things just for me. It's like I'm alone, but I'm also parenting. So it's not as simple as just saying, oh, just enjoy your alone time. It's like I'm trying really hard. Yes, yeah. It's it's completely different. When I've got time, like my days when Seb's home, we, I feel like I'm constantly moving, but I'm not getting anything done. And I know any parent can relate to that. But when I'm alone, alone, the things that I can achieve and just that time, like, yeah, to sit and be, whether it's just a 10 minute meditation or, a, or just having your coffee and just, yeah, being still, you just don't get that when, when there's, you know, your little person around. So if anyone was kind of feeling off on Father's Day, a week gone now. So we, um, hey, we get it. We totally feel it. So anyway, let's, get into our chat with Abby. I know that you guys will absolutely love it and get so much out of it, just like we are going to. So we hope you enjoy it. Now, if you listened to my last episode last week, you would have heard me touch a little bit on this new sort of journey that I'm on in relation to how I want to show up in the world and how I want to present in the world. And it has meant investing a little bit more time into myself, into getting ready And just making sure that when I walk out my front doors in the morning, I actually feel good. And I think it's made such a huge difference. I am known to be a lover of all things comfort and that will never change. I have been known to love a granny under your two. And what I've really noticed lately is I haven't worn a bra in probably about four years. And I've got to be honest, after three years of breastfeeding, that shit starts to catch up. So I'm so excited that we get to partner with this brand. And for so many reasons, you know, Intimo is an Australian retail brand and they are literally helping women rediscover their love of getting dressed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I became a mum, I just didn't know how to dress anymore. I didn't know what looked good on my new body. And it takes a lot of learning and adjusting. And that is exactly what Intimo helps women do. Now, Jess, Abby, and I just recently had a bra fitting by one of their experts, Tanya. She took us through fitting us correctly and also helping us curate a personalized capsule wardrobe solution, which is literally designed to help women feel good and better yet, save time. Intimo's solution provides women with gorgeous lingerie, so like catch a later granny undies, and clothing pieces to mix and match for so many different outfits. Our stylist Tanya has represented Intimo as a highly regarded stylist for over 28 years, and I think she's literally personally fitted and measured over 20,000 women. And she finds so much joy in transforming the way women look and feel about themselves. So if you are wanting to gain confidence, if you're wanting to feel better in your body, 
if you are wanting to save time getting ready and feel good what's underneath, if you're wanting to literally get rid of the granny undies like me, you can book in a virtual call with Tanya or you can book in an in-person styling fitting session with Tanya. So we'll pop a link in our show notes, but it is at fittedbytanyasquires.as.me. So you can jump on there. You can book in a session. Let's get rid of the granny undies together, guys. Our first guest is Abby Gilmore. Abby became a single mum when both her girls, Miller and Arlo, were one in six weeks old. She now has a four-year-old son, Mason, to her new partner, while she co-parents with her girl's dad. Abby shares with us about how she really had to get to work on herself and grow and move through this period. And I think if you're currently navigating the challenges of co-parenting, this one is going to bring so much value and more importantly, so much hope. So we have our first guest with us today, Abby Gilmore. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have just spent two minutes on the phone with you before we started recording and I cannot wait for this conversation. There's so much value that I think people are going to get. I just got so much in that two minutes of chatting. So let's tell us a little bit about yourself. And the first thing I guess we love to ask is when did you become a single mum? Well, thank you for having me. I was very excited when a mutual friend of ours, Blake, asked me to be on this podcast. Um, I, when people say, tell us a bit about yourself, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, I'm a mum. <laughs> I have so kids. So I grew up in Bendigo. I moved to Melbourne when I was like 18, 19. Um, I had my kids super young because I always just wanted to be a young mum. Like I just always wanted to have my kids. Like the minute I reckon I could talk, I was like, I want to be a mum. Um, and so I literally went on to do that. And it's so funny because back then the idea of having a baby, it's like I couldn't see beyond the baby, mm-hmm. um, which I guess in turn reflects on the, you know, I couldn't see beyond myself as probably the baby as well. It's like as my kids have grown with me or grown up, I've grown with them too. So it's like I'm, I'm, I just turned 30 and I have a nine-year-old now a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and I'm just like absolutely blown away with how much we've been able to grow together. I was such a young girl, like yeah, such a young girl, but I thought I was so much older than I was and just wanted to make a point that like I was a young mum and it wasn't a big deal Mm because everyone would be like, oh, you're so young and oh, you're so this. And I was like, yeah, and like what of it? And so the kids have literally unlocked so much in me that like I don't know, they've kind of led me to this path. And so now I find myself using my platform to speak to women, single mums, mums, nanas, like anyone really, because I think we can all relate to something. I'm now, well, I was a single mum. That's a part of my journey and I'm now partnered. But those moments when I was a single mum, I still often reflect on because I'm still learning so much, you know, about the whole experience. So I'm Abby the mum that was a single mum and now repartnered and yeah, life's colourful. <laughs> And I'm I'm curious because you say you're not a single mum anymore, but I do wonder, does the journey ever end? Because you're still navigating co-parenting. You're still navigating blended families. Like that's not the norm if you're in a, what's the word for it, nuclear family. So does it ever really <laughs> end, do you think? Because there's still stuff to navigate, right? It's so funny. Often when I would sort of discuss on my platform, you know, the struggles that I would have with being a single mum, that would often be thrown in my face that, you know, you're not a single mum, you have a partner. And it's like... I guess it's one of those things where unless you're in it, you don't fully understand it. But yeah, I wouldn't, I would probably say it's only been the last nine months that I've felt like the roof over our heads feels like, uh, what am I? So prior to that, it almost felt as if like I was the masculine and the feminine energy for, for my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I shared that load with Lee with our son so it, it definitely felt like I was playing both roles in the house at the one time, which was exhausting. And I guess that constant feeling is what I've had to really work on because until that disappears, I am forever grieving what I thought I was meant to have. And it's like constantly reflecting on what I can't have and what I couldn't give to the girls and I'm failing and I'm all these sort of negative feelings. I've done a lot of work with Lee though of late and it's almost as if balancing our relationship has helped me navigate how I feel as as mum in the house because it definitely did feel like I was single mum for a lot of the time despite being partnered and I think that's something that needs to be discussed more because 
although there is a man there next to me, yeah, yeah. it can still feel quite lonely trying to navigate with another person that isn't present. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have so many follow-up questions, but I feel like I'm just going to go too far. I guess you've just touched on it, but I mean, how did you navigate those early days? I think for many of us, the challenges might look really different. So, I mean, you had two girls at the time. What were the biggest challenges that you had sort of when you first became a single mum? I think it was just not truly knowing and believing that I was going to be okay. It's like that fear of like, Oh, hang on. I, I didn't actually plan for this. This isn't this isn't normal. Um, it's not what my parents did. Um, I was still such a conditioned child, essentially. It was almost like what what my parents have done is what I'm supposed to do. Like, and now I've ruined it, you know? So now I've failed and everyone's gonna think I'm a failure. And it, it was just more like an embarrassing thing. And I, I felt like my pride just went down the toilet and my ego just got absolutely blown apart. So as a young kid trying to navigate those early days, it was horrible. Like I remember I had a six week old and a one year old and I had PTSD. I, I just I was depressed. I had anxiety. This whole dream of like wanting to be a mum was pretty like I I just I couldn't think of anything further that I wanted to be. It was like someone come and take these kids because I cannot possibly take care of them anymore. Like I can't even look after myself right now. I was just like I hated every second of it, which I think that kind of fed into that depression and you know it's like what's my purpose? I've now got these two kids that are like relying on me for survival and I can't even take care of myself. But honestly, I think that moment was the catalyst in like realizing that I now get to start again. I now get to create my own future. It now can look however the hell I want it to look. And I guess when I've, as I've built that, I've kind of been reflecting on what my childhood was and why did I consider that to be so normal or, and I say this to my mom all the time, I love like I loved my childhood and the things that I can sort of like access and remember. But like, I think that everyone, that parents should take the good bits, but leave behind bits, you know, that, that probably aren't so useful as well. And I grew up in a completely different household to what my mum did. So the way in which that I choose to parent should be different to hers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess I just use different tools for my kids, but it was really awesome because I would do affirmations with the kids and I used to all, like I convinced myself that it was for the kids. It's like, you know, they need it. They need these affirmations. They they need this like internal dialogue to be positive. Da, 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 da. And what I didn't realize was that every time I was telling them, you know, that they can do hard things and that they should believe in themselves and all of these things, it was actually like little me that needed to hear that the most and and current me that sort of needed to hear that the most. And I think I was kind of establishing my own internal dialogue the more I did that with the kids. And it was just this like inner belief that kind of grew within me. It was like, hang on, I do know what I'm doing here. Like they're blank canvases and I get to, I guess, help bring them up in a way that allows them to think for themselves and to to see life I don't know, differently. And just because it was not how mine went doesn't mean that it still can't be great. And so I think that's where my sort of thinking came that although we're co-parenting now, although we're separated, although it's not great, I still had a vision that one day it will be. And I think because that was my goal, it was it made working through those really hard, tricky times just that little bit easier, even if I couldn't see a result straight away, persisting and building that trust and I think that's what's kind of got us to where we are at the moment. But also the media was a huge thing that kept us probably 10 steps behind. I was a young girl and I feel like I got taken advantage of a lot as well. So Abby today, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't do it differently. I think that how it happened is how it was supposed to be. But I just wish that I could have told my younger self that like you were going to be okay. Like Hmm. you've got this, these kids are yours for a reason. They're sent to you on purpose. Like you are supposed to be their mom and you're, doing a better job than anyone ever could. Oh, absolutely. And when you had that shift, was it so obviously your little ones were six weeks and and one, that is just crazy to me that, yeah, that every mum that's kind of been in those depths in those early days, you know, doing it partnered is hard enough when they're like that little. Did you have any initial support from any family? Like what what got you from that to... I guess, slowly building the mindset that you are now and how, I guess, not how long because it's ever evolving, but yeah. was there something that kind of 
struck you and you thought, no, this is this is just change or my um so my parents are in Bendigo, so my kids would sort of spend a bit of time with my my mum and also my sister had just moved in, so she was a godsend. Um she just I guess made it that bit easier for me. It's like single mums are usually stuck at home because, you know, they can't leave just to duck to the shops or, mm-hmm. you know, they can't just go on a little date or whatever you want to do. Like you can't do anything unless you're bringing your child along with you. So to have my sister live with me was just, it was amazing. It gave me that time to sort of have for myself when I felt like it was all just getting too much. Um, to be honest, I've, I sort of have suppressed a lot of um, that time. Yeah. Yep, but I'm I'm trying to override it with it, it all served the purpose to get me where I am today. But it, I honestly I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of yeah my mum, my sisters, um just to to have the girls when I needed that break. It was so 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 important to me. And then I think it was just like I was always interested in trying to help people. It was like the vulnerability that I could share was healing me as well mm-hmm. as I guess connecting me to people who were also going through things and. You know, we could have been, I could have been speaking to women who they've been through all kinds of walks of life. It didn't have to just be that you're a single mom. I think the thing was that the vulnerability is what connected us because we all were seeking the same thing, which was validation and love. Like I just wanted to feel validated and I just wanted to feel loved. I just wanted to feel like I actually did have a purpose, you know, like I, I still belonged in this world and that my presence was enough just as I am. I think I didn't value myself enough as a as a kid and or as a teenager and a, a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I put all of my value into my my ex partner, and I think it's probably been the best lesson to show my girls is that you are just perfect as you are, and like there is so much for you to achieve and do in this world, and like it's it's yours to to figure out. Like, yeah, I don't want them to. I guess, find a person that just kind of like dismisses them as a person as well. And so I think what I did was show them that we can do hard things, you know, and we are, (laughs) hence the, um, like how ironic that I made an affirmation business. Like this is all the (laughs) shit I would spill out all the time. I'm like, you can do hard things. (laughs) Like you've got this, but I truly want them to believe that down to their core. And I say to them to this day, you know, you can be married and have 25 kids and own your home, but if you are not happy, move. Like you are not a tree go and create your happiness, go and like leave, do something like whatever it is that you need to do in order to make yourself happy, go and do it because you literally get this one life and it is not long enough. Like, yeah. And I'm just, yeah. Like I, I, I sit here and I've got my little boy, I've got my new partner, but I'm just so, I'm so grateful for meeting Jake, for having our two kids, for the journey to go exactly how it went. Like, yeah. I really, I truly am like, it's been, it's been the best thing that ever happened to me along with, you know, teaching me the hardest lessons. But from that, yeah, I, I get to learn so much and I get to, I get to give that to my kids. You know, I get to give all that knowledge to them. And I just think like, that's pretty cool to have parents that are so open-minded. You know, we don't punish ourselves for it. We sit here and go, how can we use this to show our kids that it's okay to make mistakes? It's okay to like not have our shit together sometimes. And that's, Half the problem is people forget we were so young and, yeah, just constantly reminding them that, like, you know, hurt people hurt people, just like yeah. healed people healed people, you know, choose choose which one you want to be, I guess. <laughs> oh, totally. Even just listening to that, it's funny. I feel like, yeah, everything you've gone through is such a gift to them. I think we, I guess I kind of always think about it as a gift to myself, kind of going, oh, I'm at a good place now and yeah, I was meant to go through it. But when you actually kind of flip it and all just, yeah, say that it's also for them as well. I think there's just so much power in that because I think so many single, solo, you know, whatever stage you're at, we there is all that guilt and shame that a lot of the women are already in our community are saying whether they're, you know, thinking that they might, ha- might have to leave, you know, their, their family unit or they have already and they're feeling all that guilt. But to hear you, I guess, yeah, look at it in a different light and feel so empowered by that, that they can, you know, pass on all those teachings to their kids. I just think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, I think that like that's probably the conditioning that I'm trying to move away from is that you leaving a relationship, whether you've got kids or not, like why does that have to have that toxic connotation attached to it? It's like you're moving away because you see more for yourself. So that's a great thing. Why don't we, you you know, pat you on the back and say, good on you. Yeah, instead of like 
the fear that keeps so many women trapped in these relationships. It's like, but what's on the other side of Mm -hmm. doing something different? It's like, well, obviously that's fear. And, you know, using that as your driver instead of, I guess, keeping you small. My biggest, like I was so incredibly scared to leave. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what that next step looked like. I had no idea. I didn't have a career. I didn't have a a job. I was a mum. And so it made me angry that leaving meant being just a mum wasn't enough. And I think I really have struggled with, maybe I've, well, I actually spoke about it with Blake today and it was struggling with the fact that because I don't have that, you know, businesswoman hat on all the time and I'm not like, you know, out here promoting business, business, business. It's like, well, just being a mum isn't enough. Like I I want women and mums to know that it's okay if you are that, you know, stay-at-home mum. Like that is so much more than enough. And why are we making women feel like they need to be striving and, and doing so much, but in the set, which is great, but in the same breath, making the women that are at home with their kids feeling like they're not doing enough. And it's, you know, so I think when I had to make that choice to leave, it was like, oh God, like I'm going to have to get a job and, and how am I going to look after the kids and how am I going to make money and how am I going to do all these? And it was so stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's so many fears that can keep women stuck and trapped, but I just think that when we're willing to sacrifice something, and get out of our own way, we open up this like amazing space for something else. And I think that's what happened for me. So it was just about trusting in the process and knowing that I might take that step, but I've got such a community around me. I can't fail. Like I can't fall. I can't, nothing terrible will happen because no one's going to let it. And so I think that for me was like, it was huge. And now, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing, but I think staying for the sake of the kids is just a really it's not doing them any favors. Like you're conditioning them, you're showing them love. And that was my biggest thing was, although Jake and I aren't together, we're still their first example of love. And so we really need to practice that, like not in a romantic way, but in a way that models what looking after each other still, I guess, enables and embodies. It's like, you know, have my back, I have yours. Um, We're friends. That's great. The kids get to laugh with us. They get to see us, you know, together and that's that's really nice and um that's kind of what I wanted and so for me it was a process of healing there's a lot of hurt there but having that end goal of like showing the kids what love is romantically for me today you know like I think that's so awesome and and my partner has a responsibility there too it's like you might have stepped into this household but you now play a really important role so I'm like don't fuck it up (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like there's a lot of pressure well it's not really pressure as I read somewhere it was talking about how a table is really or a couch is hard to move if you're moving it by yourself but it's really easy if there's two of you which is much like a relationship they're not meant to be hard but they are because usually it's one person doing all the work and Mm. the other one's just there so to have Lee step up and do the work with me it's like wow this shit's really easy but it's only been the last nine months that we've kind of figured that out so yeah it's it's a tough one showing your kids the right way what is the right way I just think that if you're not happy that's not the right way yeah whatever that happiness looks like however you've got to do it like to me I just think that's it's so nice to see Mm. can we ask how you and Lee met and how I mean you don't need to go into too many details but just (laughs) I guess that feeling of obviously being a single mum and having yeah gone through what you had gone through and how did you, I guess, feel and all the emotions I'm sure that came up when you guys met? Um, So we met, oh, how many years? It was like six years ago. Arlo was only little. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with, you probably are, um, Sophie Keisha. So her and I were really close friends and she said to me, I've got a friend that I think you should message. And I was like, oh, my God, absolutely not. Like I don't even know how to talk to a man. Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. And she was just so like, no, just, you know, just for company, just, just chat. You don't have to see him. Like you can just talk, you know, you might think he's great. You might not like whatever. So I was like, oh, okay. And so anyway, he messaged Sophie when we were at a movie premiere one night and saying like, oh, where's my invite or whatever. And she was like messaging him back. And then she gave him my, I think my number or my Snapchat or something. (laughs) Chris. Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) Snapchat. I think it was Snapchat. And so, yeah, he must have like wrote to me on Snapchat. And then I just kind of spent the next few nights just kind of talking to him. And um, honestly, like 
I knew straight away that there was some chemistry there because he was very, um, he was a really soft kind of gentle and like emotional kind of guy. Like he allowed me to talk about, because I, I met him, I, I separated in the December and I met Lee in the February, March. Oh. So a very quick turnaround. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh God, what the hell? And he never, he just listened. Like I was talking about my ex, my ex, my ex, my ex, and he never once said, can you shut up? Can you talk about something else? Or like, can you not? Like, I don't know why you would want to talk about him when I'm here. He was kind of just like talk away. Like, you know, he was he was really great. And so we talked for about six months. Um, and it's funny, I say to him now, I trauma bonded, <laughs> which is a funny thing to say out loud, but I did. I trauma bonded with him because obviously he didn't feel loved, all of those things. And he was someone that showed me attention and I was like, oh, my God, how else do I like cope? Because no one else will. I've got two kids. So like, you know, this is great. But then as time went on and we were like, I was doing a lot of work, I found that this gap between us was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's probably why the last year it's been like I've stopped and I've decided, like I I, I guess I went back to that, that moment of I either walk this way or we walk this way together. So mm-hmm. it gave him that ultimatum of like, oh, shit, yeah, like I need to start doing some work on myself too because I said to him today, I probably wouldn't go for someone like you like 12 months ago. I did. I was like, because I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be miserable. Like I will not, like I say it to him all the time, I will never settle for shit. Like we will constantly be needing to evolve and grow for this to work. And that's what I want out of this life as well. Like I want to keep evolving, keep growing. And so he really did. He knuckled down and like he did some work with um, Blake, who mm-hmm. has been my coach for over a year now. And he did his men's um, course that he was running. And honestly, like completely different guy. And I say to him now, like, oh, I love the feeling when I look at you, like I get all giddy again. And it's just so nice to actually see you doing the work. That is so hot to me. Like you are more than one dimensional. You don't just go to work and come home and expect your dinner on the table and all this bullshit. You are like multidimensional. You know, you bring so many different elements to the relationship. You, I don't know, you, you recognize when I need like that, extra help or you know you you can read my energy you know when to be like come on kids let's give mum a break like you know when to come home and bring dinner and cook it yourself and just so many things that I'm just like yes this is great yeah I can't even remember your question but there's so much I think to unpack with dating because I think you sort of touched on it it's like I think there is for a lot of women this worthiness piece like who would want yeah. this? who would want to take on this there's so much going on here and then on the other side of it, I'd be really curious to know, I know you said you sort of met really quickly, but if you were a single mum again and you had to find someone again, you're saying he has these qualities now, but what would you say to women that they should look for? Because I do think it's different when you have children. I feel like you're looking for different qualities. I think you recognise that there are some qualities that probably have to be non-negotiables. Um, I've almost had to really grapple with, a lot of my metrics that I've looked for in the past, you know, height, like how dumb is that and how insignificant is that for a life partner that's going to raise my children? It's insignificant. So, you know, what would you say to women that are like, A, maybe struggling with feeling unworthy and then B, if they were having to start looking for a partner, what would you suggest people should be looking for? So funny because I recently sort of thought about this with a friend kind of highlighting to me the struggles of, you know, being at the very beginning again. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I said to her was just promise me that the next person that you fall in love with is yourself. Like, and I know that that's so cliche and whatever else. And I don't, I, I, I also know that everything that I was going through to have Lee by my side back in those days, even though I didn't, love myself or I didn't have a lot of confidence it was him that just constantly mirrored it back to me and it was like when I felt like I wasn't worthy it was like oh he's my reminder you know that I am and he was just such a a really gentle loving soul he allowed me to just kind of like acknowledge that shit was going on but he never tried to rush me through the process um but I said to my girlfriend yeah I just said like the next person you fall in love with I want it to be yourself and I think when you do that, 
you stop allowing yourself to settle for things because I think when we are in that lust, Mm-hmm. we put up with a lot of shit that we wouldn't normally. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, but I love this person and they're showing me so much love and attention and they're completing that broken family. Like, you know, they make me feel whole. And it's like, but nothing's broken. Like I know it feels like that now, but that's because you don't love yourself enough at this point. It's like give yourself the love that someone else can. I know it, make, it sounds all weirdo, but like lately I've been like, taking myself away for a, a night to like with myself. I've been reading a book. I've been like, you know, getting a massage or just doing things that I never in the past ever made time for. You know, when people say you can't be with someone unless you love yourself, it's not that kind of thing. It's like a fall in love with yourself so that you can understand and learn who you are, which is then going to allow you to know what you'll tolerate and what you won't. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when we're like in that lust, you know, you could be attracting someone that's very, manipulative, overpowering, overbearing, controlling, you know, but because you're wanting someone to save you, yeah. you're all like, yes. But then when you do find yourself later down the track, it's those traits that they're doing that really ick you and just, you know, you're not, you're not about that. So I think it's just like this process has taken me a good seven years, six, seven years to get to this point today where I'm like, far out. I just didn't love myself. Like I, I truly didn't. And I really did need leader though to keep reminding me that I was in fact lovable and it's taken so long to actually fully believe that. But um, I think for, in terms of the traits, it's, he doesn't rush me through any process. He's just like willing to sit there and be like, as long as it takes, like if you want to talk about it a hundred times, we'll talk about it a hundred times. If you want me to just sit there and listen, that's fine. Like he doesn't, I don't know, overbear when it comes to the kids. He's not being like, you know, they have to call me dad or he's just like their friend and then over time they build this incredible relationship but it was never forced it was just like when they felt ready because knowing that you know they're on a timeline as well and dad is completely present and there it's not like Lee's taking over um he's just done everything in a really soft way and I think for me that's what I needed my dad was very much that as well so I think I was used to that really soft gentle masculine approach And in some of the, when you said that in terms of loving yourself, and I completely, completely agree because I was saying it in my episode, it's often when, you know, yeah, you do figure out then what you want because you are so clear on who you are. Was there any things that you practiced throughout that time? Obviously you've done a lot of inner work. Is there anything that you can kind of give our community that you might've done, whether it was, you know, on a daily basis or help you fall in love with yourself a little bit more? Um, I think I sort of started a lot with, like I did start a lot with affirmations, which I think when your internal dialogue is constantly telling you you're not enough and like, you know, you're failing and you're not a good mom or this is too hard, am I doing it right? Like all of that sort of stuff. It was really good to just have that constant solid positivity in my head and, you know, I can access access that whenever I want. And to do it with the kids was a bonus because whilst they were younger it was just me reading it to them and them not really getting it but now as they're older you know they remind me like they're literally like reparenting me I I guess um just like little things where I'll be like oh bugger like I can't do that and they'll be like you know yes you can mum you can do hard things and I'll be like oh stop it like you're right I can and you know it just gives me that like change of mindset so it started with kind of that because then I was sort of softly kind of getting into a bit of I was doing workshops with another coach um and so I guess I know I'm quite an intuitive person and I really like bounce off people so I think it was really important for me to surround myself with people who like I surrounded myself with a lot of like psychics life coaches like people like that and honest to god it's like when you're in a room with them just chatting away the energy is like Mm. nuts and the knowledge that everyone's just shooting out. Um, and I feel like I'm just absorbing. Like it was it was wild. Um, just like reading a few different kinds of books. Like I remember reading that Eckhart Tolle book, um, The Power of Now, and just sort of like reminding myself that the past, you know, yeah, it had its ups and downs. The future I can't control, but right now everything is great. And like if I can just yeah. keep bringing myself back to this moment right now, which I often say to my nine-year-old when she's worrying and, having anxious moments, I just kind of remind her that when we're not in the right now, that's when we feel all those kinds of feelings. So if I can get you to just come back now, you know, into your body, 
what is it? And she'll be like, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because we're back in the moment. So it's just like those little reminders. It's nothing that's like super complex or tricky or hard. It's just like, it might be grabbing a a, a tea and just reminding myself that right now everything's fine. You know, mm-hmm. like no one can hurt me right now. I'm okay. And it's my thoughts that are making me think that, but they're not always right. So just like relax. Those people, you know, that I've been around who've led me to different people. Last year I snapped my Achilles and then I met Blake. And I think it was Blake who is a lifestyle and mindset coach. He was the absolute backbone in like so much of my learnings today. Like he just launched me into this whole nother level. And it was, again, his masculine energy that I felt I could trust. He healed a lot of my wounds from the masculine, I think. And that's why my relationship's thriving today, why my co-parenting relationships thriving, why so many of those relationships that were once not great, like he's just installed that, I don't know, just something in them. Like he's been really crucial. And he's taught me so much about like breath work, um, nervous system, just trying to like regulate yourself, you know, when you're dysregulated, how you know, crazy things can be. But once you get back into that sort of regulated nervous system again, it's like everything becomes a bit more clear and how it's it's important to have those moments of dysregulation, I guess, because you are unpacking things that are traumatic and it's like there is a time for them to be, you know, when you're back in that safe place, that's usually when you'll experience your little dysregulated moments, but it's all serving a purpose. So I think just he's really taught me to not be afraid of how I feel. Mm-hmm. access anger if that's what you want to access access sadness and all the different emotions don't be afraid to feel them because they're there for a reason it's like energy and motion we have to feel it we have to move through it if we're not we're storing it in our body like just mm-hmm. having a better relationship with emotions like i think that's a really important thing for people yeah and also a really big one to hold as a mother because you have children that are watching you and i know that you talk quite a lot publicly about how you do that with your girls but especially for some single mums did you find it hard sometimes to do that because I know from my experience I'm very conscious of wanting to show Lenny experiencing emotions and processing them but sometimes there have been moments where I'm sort of in the depths of what feels like I'm spiraling and there's sort of a limit as to what I want him to experience how did mm-hmm. you sort of like when you're learning that and you're processing that with two little girls around, or I don't know if Mason was around at the time, but yeah, how did you do that when you have two children? Well, it's really funny because I was just saying to Blake today, I I don't think I, I didn't feel anything then. I think I had my shit together pretty good back then. Like when I was in the, the thick of it, it was like I was in survival mode. It was like right now we're just surviving. And today is now the like the period of where I'm actually struggling with the emotions of before as well. So it's like now is that time where I don't have that long attention to to give the kids, you know, my time and to really nurture them through whatever it is that they're going through. Because if I'm going through something as well, I'm very like I lose my shit. I'm yeah. like, ah, I'm short fused. And I'm like, stop it. Like, and I'll, I'll yell and I'll get so angry. And I'm just like, wow. So again, it's like, I'm okay with them seeing that because that's for me, I'm assuming what is built up suppressed anger that I have not been able to feel and experience for probably my whole life. Because I think that as a kid, you know, unless you're, able to express anger in a healthy way it's usually hey go to your room be alone while you feel like that and when you feel better and when you're happy then you can come back out here because we love you when you're happy you know and I think we naturally kind of I'm moving away from that dialogue so it's like my biggest thing is when I yell at my kids even though I want to be that calm gentle amazing awesome mum when I yell at them because I do and I lose my shit I repair and I always say sorry. So it's like that to me is like the secret key ingredient. It's just like you can yell at them, you can do things, you can react in a way, whatever. But as long as you, when you're done, grab them and tell them that had nothing to do with you and I just I wasn't handling my emotions very well, 
one, they're not feeling like they're the blame, like they didn't cause it. It's not their fault. It's just it's you taking full responsibility for the way that you reacted because you were not handling your emotions very well. And I think that to, like that's been a vital tool. Like my kids are nine and seven, the bigger ones, and I'll say, I am so sorry for yelling at you. Like I'm so sorry. They're like, that's okay, mum. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like I, I'm the adult. I should be able to handle my emotions better and I'm just, you know, I'm just having a bad day. And they'll be like, yeah, that's okay. Like we all have bad days or, you know, are you getting your period, mum, or something <laughs> like that. So it's just like I'm human and and accepting your humanness. Like I, I want someone to be in front of me modelling, you know, anger and all those things because I want to see that it's okay to feel angry, you know, and to be passionate about things and to have those. But it's essentially it's like what we do with that anger. Today, I'm learning to execute it in a healthier way, but maybe I wasn't showing that as a kid. Mm-hmm. My kids get to see it now in a better way. So it's like I'm not going to model it correctly all the time, but when I do, yay. When I don't, don't be so hard on myself either. Just apologize. Say sorry, but own it. It's not like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just I was grumpy. It's like I'm so sorry. I wasn't handling my emotions very well. And then they can see, oh, well, yeah, sometimes I don't either. Yeah. Okay. Because we say sorry. It's not like I'm, you know, and again, it's what we do with that anger. It's not okay to be angry and hit them and punch them and kick them and do all that. That's not the anger we access. It's just like, you know, if we're yelling, it's like that would have scared them. Say sorry. So I think it's what we do with those emotions that are important. And if we don't do it as best we, you know, as we wanted to, it's like that apology, that repair. It's so important to repair. I love that. Yeah, that's, yeah, I really love that. Can I ask, there's been a few questions we've had again in not in lots of different circumstances about families that have just split and a lot of the mums kind of writing in and saying, how do you deal with the anger or maybe resentment that might come with a partner and then trying to, in quotation marks, do the happy family thing? with the co-parent and then obviously new partners are introduced you I just feel like you and we were chatting about it a bit before we started recording that that is something that you're very passionate about about having a really positive co-parenting relationship and kind of doing it still as a team we would just love some insight I'm still learning a lot as well on how you yeah are kind of navigating all of that um it's so tricky like and you know there are so many different circumstances that we're all in and so it's never going to work for everybody you know I think that there are there are situations that you can have that um it's I wouldn't say happy ending because if you're not having that either you haven't failed it's not like you can't um be as happy as I or you know have that security and happiness for the kids as well it's it's not about that at all I think for me it was just um I had a friendship long before I had a relationship romantically with Jake so you know we met when we were quite young and I think for me it was it was sort of like learning to see him as the friend I once did and also accepting that like we're also not little kids anymore so it's like getting to know the adult version of him as he gets to know the adult version of me and I think it's really crucial it was really crucial for us to do that because I knew I would get past the things it just I knew it would take me some time um all the all the other factors of like partners and whatever we were lucky in the sense that we both met our partners at the same time um yeah, it certainly was tricky, but I think I was very lucky in a way because Jake's partner Taylor is like a really understanding, she's a real nurturer herself. And so everything that she sort of would do with the kids or for the kids, she would always have what would their mum want or, mm. you know, how would I feel if I was a mum? Like how would that make me feel if I da 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 so I always have said that, like, if I could choose anybody on earth to be my kid's stepmom, like, I would choose her every time because of that fact. And I think there are so many circumstances where some stepmoms just can get it so wrong. You know, it is feeding into that, like, ego and, like, well, bad luck. You know, I'm with him now and they're with us, so mind your business. It's mm-hmm. like what's wrong with having some empathy? Like, I think reminding ourselves constantly, like, I used to always say in my head, how can I come from a place of love? And that would switch my whole entire mindset. 
my thoughts before that might have been really dark and like I hate everyone. But the minute I said, how can I come from a place of love? It would be like, okay, do that. You know, it might be, hey, can you pick the kids up from here today because I've got this on and I can't meet you. And although that might have inconvenienced my life so much, it's like, yes, yes, I can. Because you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Like, you know, if we can build this trust, then down the track, like we're going to have a really great relationship. If I'm like, no, no, I can't. Like that's not, it's just not going to get me anywhere. It's not going to support where I want to be. And so I think for me, it was really crucial to constantly remind myself that one day I want to have a family that, you know, we can all spend Christmases together. We can all spend birthdays together. I can't see it ever happening anytime soon, but one day I just want to get there. And so every decision that I make to get there, I guess it's, it's, it's asking myself, does this support where I want to be? And if it doesn't, don't do it. And that's how it was for me, which I think takes a lot of like, it was hard. It was a really hard thing to do. I think when you're carrying that hurt as well, um, you know, it, it can often feel really hard to to just surrender, I guess, in a way and just make friends with the enemy. But I don't know, for me, it was just, I, I always saw us hanging out and doing stuff together. And now we literally do it. And I'm just like, how freaking cool is life? Like, <laughs> birthdays we go bowling or dinners and drinks and like it's just fun well it sounds like you you know I feel like you've mentioned it a bit clearly you held on to that for your children it sounds like and then obviously was it when you have those moments where you kind of want to reply and say piss off I'm not going to help you today is it really coming back to like who is this for is it for my children is it benefiting my children then and then this vision in mind you know if people are in that stage where Maybe it is still a little bit toxic. Maybe there is a little bit of that back and forth. You know, what would you say to them to go, ah, like how do you keep going? I think it's like the analogy that kind of or the symbol that pops into my head is like a rope and it's like if both of you are holding onto that rope and you're just in this constant tug of war, be the first person to let it go. Again, if your outcome is that you want to have a family that comes together and celebrates things together, and you might not want that. So keep holding on the rope. Like you might not want to have those things. I did. No, I, I didn't. It's not like I was like, yeah, I hate this person, and but I want to spend Christmas with him. It's like I know that I'm a forgiving person. I know that one day when I've done all the work, I'll be fine. I know I'll be okay. I'm not dying. I'm, I'm still very fortunate I'm, I've got two arms two legs you know I've got my head screwed on I'm gonna be okay so it was like how can I make it fun because at the end of the day like that person is not going anywhere you know we often joke sometimes yeah. like you know you're stuck with us for life stuck with me for life so it's like yeah let's make it at least enjoyable and so yeah it took a lot of time a lot of time honestly like Miller's nine it was probably her eighth birthday last year that we really solidified you know, what we had and we just kind of all, it's almost as if everyone was just like, all right, you know what? It's, it's pretty damn good. Like, let's just accept that it is instead of that constant fear of like, oh, but it might turn, it might not be great for, you know, something might happen. But I think, I don't know. I just always had that trust, but I, I always just had a vision. And I think again, it's just knowing, do you want that? Because you need to then do actions that support getting that. And again, it's that, it's that, you know, pulling on the rope, you might get a dig from them are you going to give one back or are you going to come from a place of love yes and I know that it's not fair that if you're the person that has had to cop so much stuff it's like you know why am I why do I have to be the bigger person but it's like again if you want to support that bigger vision you're going to have to do some hard things to get there and that's just the reality and from that like I learned so so much and I get to pass on those lessons and learnings to my kids like they watch that whole process yeah. They're so great. They're so adapted. So like they, they don't haven't had to see us, you know, arguing and fighting and this and that. And even if we don't agree with things, we still talk about it. Like we're still like, hey, no, I want to do it this way. Or, you know, there's always going to be that. But it's just like the way in which we talk about it in front of them, that's really important. And I get it. It's it's hard when you're in the thick of it. Like honestly didn't see a way out. But the more work I did on myself to help my own awareness, to make myself understand that so much of people's anger and their actions in which, you know, that they do to people, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. 
you know, if I'm in, if I'm in a good place or if I'm working on myself, nothing anyone's doing to me is because of anything that I'm doing. You know, like I know it's hard to get your head around, but no, completely. I completely understand that. Yeah, like it's it's just like even you know what what happened with us and stuff. Like it, none of that's my fault. None of it was because of me. And so I need to. I want to be someone that's helping in the healing of everything. You know, I want it to heal so that it can heal for my kids and nothing gets passed on to them. It's like it stops with us. Yes, absolutely. And I think as well, if you're in a co-parenting partnership and then like you said that you're the one that's always copying the punches and sometimes it does feel, fuck, okay, here we go again. But you, I can guarantee the one that's taking the high road and doing the better thing, you are the happier person. Mm -hmm. Because I always think when there's someone that's putting out that negativity and put whatever it may be is I always think, imagine living your life like that. You are, if you're affected by everything that someone's saying and everything's an issue and everything, I just think I literally just go into empathy, like you said, and go, oh, I feel sorry for you because how how draining your days must be. So coming back exactly to what you said, that taking that high road, even though sometimes it's not as easy, trust me, you will be happier for it. Yeah, and I think if you think about how hard it is to change yourself, Mm -hmm. like you realise it's impossible to change someone else. And so- Again, it's like if you're doing things and and also acknowledging your own blind spots, I think, you know, we can always sit there and be like, it's not us, it's not us. But it's like, well, yeah, because you're not aware of your own traits. So, you know, I think too it's it's important to acknowledge your own blind spots and know that you also played a role in the breakdown of things not working. It's like it's not just a one-person dance here, you know, and I'm not, it's not saying that, that's why I did this because you were that. It's like just acknowledging that, yeah, there's two people in a relationship and we all have our own blind spots too. So if you can, again, come from that sort of empathy place but have that vision of where you want to be and it might just be that you want to be happy and amicable. All right, well, then how do I support that? Okay, so when I get a dig, maybe don't give a dig back. It's like Mm -hmm. recognising that maybe they're just having a bad day but I'm not. So how can I come from a place of love? And eventually, as I said, over time, you build on that trust and it really does support where you want to go. I think like feeding into toxicity, like I I can't deal with that. I can't live my life with giving someone free rent in my head. Like it's just, it's a no, it's just not happening for me. I will, I will make peace with every single person that, you know, I need to in my life so that I don't have anyone just putting poison into me. I just think life's way too short. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we always finish it. Sometimes it could be a piece of advice or a mantra that mantra that you live by or something that you'd love to share. You know, for me, it was something that I had heard from celebrities that had really big abundant lives that were single mums that made me go, okay, if they can do it, then I can fucking do it too. Is there something that if you were, you know, whether they're in the depths of it or not, is there something that you could leave single or solo mums Give them hope. Oh, wow. Drum roll. Yeah, literally. Whoa. Um, when people today say to me, oh, you know, I'm single or my boyfriend's leaving me or this or this, I often give the complete opposite reaction to what they're probably expecting. I'm like, yes, yes. like high five, girl. Like this is so great. And they're all like, what? what? <laughs> but I'm like, this is so exciting. Like I honestly just think that there's nothing that is sent your way that you cannot handle. And like, I know so much of the things I know because of the things that I've gone through, right? And, like, I love that I know what I know. If I didn't know it, I'd be, like, it would be frustrating. You know, I meet people and I'm, like, oh, I want to know all that stuff. And then you hear how they learned it, how they got there, and you're just, like, ah, okay. Well, you can't be pixie and choosy, right? It's, like, something shit's going to happen to you in life regardless. Draw from it. What's the lesson? You know, ask yourself, what's the lesson here? And maybe that can be my last thing, you know, it's, it's not, well, what's the quote? It's not, why is this happening to me? It's what is, no, what is it? Happening for no, me. It'll come to me. It's happening for me. See, we finished each other's sentences. <laughs> but it is, it's like, it's happening for you, not to you. Yeah, what can I learn from this situation? Like, that's how I see everything now. Like, there's always a lesson, always. And if there's not, you just, you just got to be patient. 
I feel I feel like I've learned so much from that. That was just incredible. Thank you so much for sharing everything that's kind of got you to where you are now. I just think you, you've done a lot of work and you can really see it. And I took a lot from that. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. thank you. I hope so. <laughs> oh, there are thank so you, girls. So much value there. And I think if anyone can take anything, like Jess said, if you're in the trenches, there is hope and it's it's a lot more in, in your control than you might yeah. imagine. I think sometimes we feel like when shit hits the fan that that's it and we have no control. But from your yeah. story, you have, yeah, put everything back in your power to, like you said, have that blank canvas and create whatever the hell you want. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mothering On My Own. If you'd like to connect with us further, please follow our Instagram at motheringonmyown.podcast. Thank you.